Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the MamaCrats.com. Hi there. Welcome to the second Mama Crouch podcast. My name is Stefania Pomponi Butler, and I, along with Glenna Campbell and Bless Beckerman, am one of the co-founders of Mama Crouch. Um, we started Mama Crouch eight months ago in September of 2007, just the three of us. And we now have 22 amazing and talented writers covering all things political from coast to coast. We also invite guest posters to comment on issues near and dear to their hearts. Um, And that's the short version. Um, If you'd like to learn more about how Mama Crafts got started, uh, Glenna Campbell did a great recap on how Mama Crafts was born on our inaugural podcast. You just uh, go to our station at blogtalkradio.com slash mamacrafts to listen in. Today we're talking about the Oregon and Kentucky primary results, among other things. And I'll soon be joined by Oregon Momocrat Debbie and later special guests Sarah Gilbert and El Kayabiab Gitlin, who will give personal takes on the Oregon and Kentucky primaries, respectively. First, though, I'm going to um, attempt to bring Debbie on. She's a fellow Momocrat and will help me recap the week's highlights, beginning with one of her posts. Um, Debbie, are you there? I sure am. Great. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's nice to actually talk to you um, in person, so to speak. <laughs> yes, thank not, you. Yeah, and not just on the, you know, thousand email exchanges that we Momocrats seem to share um, every day. Um, so I thought we could start with one of your posts, which I thought was really fantastic, the McCain Pwned post, <laughs> and um, <laughs> see if you wanted to talk about that, highlight that, and um, and just share your thoughts. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, I I was really motivated to write this post, you know, kind of this angry, as is kind of my want whenever I read anything that McCain has said or blustered on about, because uh, it's just outrageous for him to have made such a personal attack in response to Senator Obama's comments, um, I mean, that he was perfectly entitled to make about foreign policy issues, and um, to have kind of gone below the belt so immediately in such an early part of the campaign process, it's... It's very telling about where McCain's going to go, I think, uh, in terms of his own attacks, never mind you know what his minions will do and uh, and I think that Senator Obama handled it beautifully when he responded uh, by explaining you know this this doesn't need to be a personal attack, and let's keep it about the issues, but you know I think this does tell us where we're we're going to see both campaigns heading in the future. Yeah, and I think actually this now is a kind of a good point to, to jump in really quick and just say that we um, on Mamacrats don't support um, 
we haven't officially supported one candidate over another. We have contributors that support Obama and contributors that support um, Clinton. So I just wanted to clarify that um, that um, when we're speaking or when we're writing on Monocross, it's um, it's uh, we are responsible for our own our own posts and. Um, and uh, Momocrats is just kind of the one we do support. We say we support the Democratic candidate. Yes, that may be. Um, what do you think? Of, yeah. <laughs> and um, so what do you think? Um, I don't know. I just think it's kind of funny lately to um, – I'm just kind of riffing off of what you just said about um, – it just seems like people are, are kind of pointing out the, um, I don't know, volatile nature of McCain's personality. And um, – and that, you know, do you think his, his not beyond the attacks, do you think his, his um, he has this reputation of being kind of an angry person? Do you think that um, it's gonna, we're going to start seeing that come out soon? I think, you know, just based on what I've read personally um, all over the web and, you know, uh, in more mainstream media formats, I think it's been coming out, and I think it's been out for a long time, and I think it's simply a matter of uh, mainstream journalists just really not mentioning it much. You know, he gets a pass regularly, and um, uh, to go back to what you said about the fact that uh, we are each supporting our own candidate at this point in the game, I think that is important. I am supporting Obama. Um, I still highly respect people who have chosen to support um, Senator Clinton. Uh, despite my own feelings on the matter. so But I think that's important. Yes, I, I specifically support Senator Obama and uh, his, his current sort of debating with McCain. But um, in regards to McCain's blustery, sort of angry Grandpa Simpson uh, issues, <laughs> I, I don't know. Stefania, your guess is as good as mine. I really don't know what we're going to see in terms of what... Um, is going to be a, sort of allowed to go through the sieve of the mainstream media. They seem to be very protective of him. They've, um, I can't. I think it was uh, Chris Matthews who said, "No, I'm sorry. Was it Russert? It was Matthews or Russert. One of them said, "That's great. I don't even know. Um, I think it was Matthews. <laughs> Referred to as Tweety in the blogosphere. I'm going to go with Tweety. Tweety is known to have said." <laughs> that McCain is their candidate, you know, the, re the, the journalist's candidate, the, the inside the beltway candidate. So I think that we're going to see them go to bat for him regularly and often, and I don't really see that ending. You know, I don't, I don't see that ending any time prior to the general election. What do you think about that? I don't know. I think, um, I think you should do more Ellen appearances because <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but <laughs> he was with Ellen. And just like... You could just tell he was about to burst, and yet, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to, um, you know, maintain. He was white knuckling it. No, definitely, he yeah. had some white knuckle action going on on the knees. Yeah. But, you know, he was gripping his pants, and <laughs> I wanted to. Yeah. I would. I really wanted them to zoom in on that, but I you know. I think you could just tell he was seething under the surface, but yeah. So Definitely. more Ellen appearances in the cards for. <laughs> okay, moving on. You oh hello, you still yeah there? I know yeah okay, I just great. realized there are people actually in on our chat now so. Oh great okay hi chatters <laughs> chatters welcome hi Glenna hi Amy in Ohio. Um, 
Yeah, and please do um, jump in and 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 anytime you want to bring in um, chatters, please do. I can't for some reason I can't see the people on the chat, but this could be just my new newbiness. So um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, moving on, you also wanted to highlight uh, Rove's subpoena this week and your love of Conyers. <laughs> Care to share your thoughts? Um, you know, I I'm continually and regularly impressed by our uh, Congressman Conyers. He, I wish he was an Oregon congressperson. He's just so on point and uh, obviously he's the head of the judiciary. I'm sorry, he's not obviously so, but he is the head of the judiciary committee in the uh, House. And um, he's he's got a lot of experience and he's, I really appreciate he is such a cautious thinking person. He he brings so much um, steadiness, you know, to his role as head of the Judiciary Committee, and uh, I respect him so much for having not only the ability to be so measured and, and careful in what he does and what he says in his actions, but also to recognize when it's time to, to sort of be righteously angry and to, to not continue to withstand the stalemate that the White House has been giving us for years. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I just really think it's great that he blogs. I mean, that's so cool. He's, I think, 70. I'm really apologetic to this congressperson if he is not 70, but I'm pretty sure he's in, in that arena. <laughs> Maybe he's only 60. Let's just go with 60. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's been going after Rove on this uh, this issue with the. Are you very familiar with the whole U.S. Attorney scandal, Tanya? I, you know, it's not, 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 not deeply, no. Uh, well, but, I, I can't really, I don't want to get too deeply into it, because, I mean, we have a lot of other things to cover, but he uh, has been sort of spearheading, well, he and, and uh, Congressman Waxman have been spearheading the chase down of having what the White House has sort of more and more over the last years that they've been in, in power, they've regularly uh, caused the, the judicial branch to become more and more uh, politicized, which is, you know, not appropriate. It should be an apolitical force. It should be fighting for the rights of the, the people, not, you know, from the standpoint of a Republican or Democratic perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they have done, they have found <clears throat> that more and more as time has gone by, they've been hiring, uh, the, the human resources people were hiring on the basis of, their, of people's political beliefs. Right. Which is just you know crazy and and completely wrong and um, so these these uh, these these U.S. attorney scandals are based on that. There were there were uh, several U.S. attorneys fired in 2006 on the basis okay. of of um, political persuasion or what they perceived were um, prosecutions that were being brought about that were potentially damaging to the Republican Party and they wanted to out these people. It was more of a sort of a warning call to the rest of the U.S. attorneys they believe, uh, the people who have been doing all of the research on this. Um, and it's just a really important issue because, you know, it's so important that our U.S. attorneys are not political. They, they need to remain outside of the political arena. They need to be, obviously they're placed by our president. However, they should be given their roles not on the basis of whether or not they're going to be um, going after Republicans or Democrats, but because they're going after people who have been, you know, committing wrongdoings and right. 
and, and, and so this is a big issue. And it, uh, it, it's very almost fascist. <laughs> I'm not going to go all the way into the whole fascist <laughs> thing, but it's scary. And then uh, Karl Rove was actually uh, potentially involved in uh, a, one of the governors. Um, I believe he was the governor of Alabama, uh, Governor Siegelman. Hmm. And um, he went to, to jail, in fact, and several other people that were high up in Alabama states um, mm -hmm. were also sent to jail. And it was probably fallacious. And I believe some of them have been let go now. And there are courts, uh, court cases pending. And um, they've subpoenaed Rove. And he's not responding. And it's, there's kind of another stalemate happening. But um, Conyers has, quote unquote, decided to, uh, let me see if I can get this right, do some ass kicking. <laughs> because. <laughs> He believes that someone, oh, I'm sorry, the quote is on the Politico that someone's got to kick his ass. Pardon my French, and, but Conyers said it, not me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I agree with him. I think, you know, I think it would be, it's, it's more than high time. What do you think about that? Are you, do you have any love lost for Carl Rose? Oh, God, no. <laughs> Absolutely no way. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's just a, you know, a, a reflection of this whole Bush administration that, you know, uh, you know, how deeply ingrained their, um, their views are in all aspects of, you know, everything they do. It's, it's like, you know, like you said, it's just, it's really disgusting. So, yeah, so yeah we hope he goes down and goes down hard. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Go <laughs> Go Conyers. Um, I also wanted to highlight some posts um, from Mamacrats this week that uh, that I kind of wanted to shine a spotlight on because they were really, really great. And the first one is Jayla's post um, entitled "Vote for a Vote for McCain is a Vote Against Feminism," and I just thought it was a really thoughtful post outlining all the ways McCain has used his political clout to undermine women mm -hmm. and. Um, um, just to quote Jayla, she says, when I look at his public record on issues that deeply affect the day-to-day -day lives of women in this country, I have to say, when it comes to respecting the ladies, John McCain still has a lot to learn. <laughs> and she talks yeah. about, yeah, and she talks about McCain's position on the recently defeated Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. Um, that was the one where McCain famously said women just needed more education and training. Um, and inspired the blog action by Moms Rising um, for women to send their resumes to John McCain. Um, she also talks about his abstinence-only um, beliefs and his flip-flopping on um, Roe versus Wade. Um, she, um, I, I think she makes a really good uh, case for, um, for those voters who say, um, you know, if 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 uh, for those Hillary supporters who say that you know they're not good, they're going to vote for McCain if Obama wins, um, she makes a really good case for for um, for kind of laying out there that those supporters need to understand that a vote for John McCain is a vote against, she says, the core principles of the very movement that painstakingly paved the way for an American woman to come as close to the White House as Hillary Clinton has. So um, I thought, I don't know, you want to uh, 
chatters, do you have comments? Um, I can't see you for some reason. I can't see any of the the people in the chat room. Um, Debbie, do you want to comment on that? I, yeah, I'd love to. I think, you know, <laughs> I've always got something to say, Stefania. Awesome. Um, <laughs> the you know, the idea of, I just can't get over the idea that if, you know, your chosen candidate doesn't get all the way to um, the nomination, that you are going to take your ball and not only go home with it, you're going to run across the field and hand it to the opposition. I mean, especially given not only what we know about uh, John McCain's sort of anti-woman uh, beliefs, and I think they run to his core, and I don't think that has anything to do with, with things he's willing to say or not say regarding his current pandering um, in order to become, become the nominee for the Republican Party. I think, you know, he is a misogynist. I mean, she highlights initially his treatment of his first wife when she was so faithful to him when he was a, a prisoner of war and, and what happened to her and how she was injured and that she didn't even want the man to know, and for him to then come back and be just so, you know, cruel. Um, yeah, it's it speaks to what kind of person he is in regards to how he feels about women, and um, and I don't think that's something to be taken lightly. Um, even though it is a very personal issue, but I think you know the personal is political, as people have said in the past, and that is currently kind of a blogging theme. Um, it, it, he's this doesn't even have to do with the word that he used regarding his current wife that has been, you know, made a lot of. I never mind that. You know, this man does not care for women and does not want to see women be be treated equally and has not uh, spoken out against, you know, the way that our uh, Senator Clinton has been treated in this campaign process. Which, you know, it everyone who has said that she has been treated unfairly, it's true. They. It, it's unbelievable that they've been sitting around saying out loud, discussing, discoursing this idea that it's okay to refer to her as a white bitch. I mean, mm -hmm. it's incredible. Yeah, She's a person, and Senator Obama's a person, and these people are people, and that's first and foremost what we should be considering in this campaign process. And uh, to, to think, it, it's just incredible to me that, you know, we women are being denigrated in such a way and that he hasn't said anything. I mean, he should I believe that Senator Obama has spoken out against that. I can't yes. cite anything particularly at this moment. I'd like to be able to, but I do think he has said things to the extent that he, he feels that Senator Clinton is his equal and that she should be treated as such. But we've heard nothing from McCain on that, not surprisingly, uh, given his history. And I, I just think, you know, it it would be crazy, it would be asinine for women who are supporting Senator Clinton, you know, specifically because she's a woman a lot of times. I think a lot of her support is based on that. And to then say, well, we've we've decided this is our cause and we're going to support a woman because we want to see a woman become president, but if she doesn't get the nomination, we're now going to go to the person who hates women and give right. them our vote, and you know. I think, disconnect. Um, yeah, I think... I think Jalis puts it really nicely at the end of her post where she says, personally as a feminist, when faced with the choice of voting for, one, a man who's been accused of calling women sweetie, has a 100% rating from Planned Parenthood, 
praises Hillary Clinton for serving as a role model for his daughters and votes in support of equal pay, or two, a man who has been accused of calling women cunts, who hints that he may support a ban on all contraception, and who tells me that if I think I'm being untreated fair or being treated unfairly at work, I must need to go back to school. I'd vote for that first man any day of the week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on to the next um, interesting post on Mama Crafts this week, I'd like to talk about Joan Gary, um, her quiz. She is a momocrat and ex-executive director of the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, or GLAD. She wrote a kind of a two-part uh, post that I thought was really a clever way to highlight um, gay rights and just what do people know. And again, chatters. Um, play along here because we're going to take a quiz. So if you're listening in or you're chatting, um, we're taking a quiz. Get out your pen, <laughs> pen and paper. No, it's just a four. It's just a four-parter. Um, so she writes that Hunter College just released the results of a comprehensive study touted by the institution as the most comprehensive study of lesbian, gay, and bisexual attitudes and behavior to date. When the results went public, the headline news was that it's find was that it's finding that. Uh, roughly 2.9% of Americans are lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Respondents to the survey who identified as gay were tested on their knowledge regarding the law as it relates to their rights. So um, for each of the four questions posed to listeners' chatters, see if you know the answer. Number one, is marriage between two men or two women legal in your state? Number two, can gay men and lesbians serve openly in the military? Number three, does the U.S. Constitution have an amendment that bans same-sex marriage? And number four, is there a national law making it illegal to fire someone for being lesbian, gay, or bisexual? So think about those answers. And (laughs) we'll talk about the answers. So for number one, Um, Is marriage between two men or two women legal in your state? If you're from California, you should have gotten that one right. Woohoo, California. (laughs) And Massachusetts (laughs) Massachusetts is the other. Um, A small number of other states offer civil unions and other kinds of broad protections. No one gets federal benefits of marriage. And if you move from California or Massachusetts to another state, (laughs) Joan Gary says, best of luck to you. (laughs) They won't have a clue. to what to do with your marriage license. Number two, gay and lesbian people cannot serve openly in the military. I think most people um, (laughs) know that one. Um, Number three, there's currently no constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage, but if a Republican is inaugurated, all bets are off. And number four, there's no national law protecting a gay person from being fired. Um, But what Joan points out, and this is kind of astonishing, is that only 38% of gay men and lesbians answered all four questions correctly. And she puts it another way, 62% of the gay people surveyed are clueless, her words, about their own rights. Um, And Joan brings this up because uh, the, the whole point of this exercise was that you can't fight for what you don't have if you don't know you don't have it. Um, so I thought that was, that was, you know, a very pointed way of making that, that, um, bringing that issue to light. Um, how are the chatters doing with the, um, questions? Did they answer them? 
<laughs> I'm actually having a, a bit of technical um, difficulty with my chatting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I can't see Glennis you. So. does say here, Stefania, um, that I'm supposed to point out to you that there's a, there's a screen. I'm sorry. There's a, I'm not able to read it. Where did it go? It's behind the dashboard screen in a small box. Yeah, Maybe that's code for something. Yeah, I see it, but I can't see the names of all the users. So anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, unless, Debbie, <laughs> you had something to add? Uh, you know, I, I just really appreciated that she put out the, to me what was sort of most important what I got out of that was to be educated about the issues that are important to you. You know, if if something is if something really speaks to your heart or something, you know, if you are in a minority or if you are in an ethnic um, situation that you're potentially disadvantaged according to our our government laws and rules, that that it's probably really a good idea to become educated about those things because uh, who else is going to speak out for you if not exactly. yourself? So we need to be able to raise our own voices, and we need to be educated about the issues that um, that matter. You know, if we're going to be involved, I think it's I think it's really easy to say to sit back and say, you know, I don't I don't have any power, I don't have a voice. It doesn't matter. I think that's 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 in the past. I think people are realizing, you know, we don't we do have voices, and we can link arms, and we are small, but together we are not small at all. Right. So I appreciated that kind of thing that she was underlining. Yeah, I did too, and it's really. Um, I think we're all really pleased that she um, agreed to to be a poster on MomCraft. I think that just adds to the already wonderful um, contributors that we have. Um, okay, so lastly, before we move on and introduce our special guest today, Debbie, can I can I pour you with Cindy McCain? I'm I'm mixing them up right now. Oh yes, little, <laughs> I know it's it a is early. early in the day. <laughs> <laughs> And that's just our tongue-in-cheek way of saying that we uh, we now have some cocktail recipes over on MomaCraft.com, MomaCraft.TightPad.com for the um, Technorati uh, ranking um, aspect. Um, but yes, please do enjoy your Cindy McCain's responsibly. Um, okay, so now what I'd like to do is um, introduce our special guests uh, today. Um, Sarah Gilbert and L. Kayab Yab Gitlin. First, I'd like to introduce Sarah Gilbert. I met Sarah when I lived in Portland, Oregon. We spent 16 magical months living in that fabulous <laughs> city. <laughs> At the time, she was the editor of Blogging Baby, which is now called Parent Dish, and she's responsible for giving me my first professional blogging job. Um, so, yes, she unleashed me um, out on the world. <laughs> Blame her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, now Sarah manages financial blogs for AOL, and in her spare time she raises chickens and three little boys. She's also very active in the Eat Local movement in her community, and she has many, I mean, spare time. I don't know how she has spare time because she has many, many other projects aimed at making mom's lives better. Among other things, she um, I think she was one of the founders of Urban Mamas in Portland and Play Cafe, and um, a very warm welcome to you, Sarah. Thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I hear those little boys, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at Piccolo Park. We, we, had, we had a mishap with the bike, and it took longer than we thought. <laughs> no problem. And, oh, also, Sarah rides the coolest bike in Portland, so you'll have to go onto her blog at um, Cafe Mama dot com and check it out. It's awesome. Sarah, I'm <laughs> curious about that bike actually. You'll have to tell us about that. I really want to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's it's an excellent bike. It's a it's an Electra Towny with an extra cycle and um which is a like an extension that has like a little surfboard type thing on top so the boys can sit on it. And a bow bike seat in the front for Monroe. <laughs> yeah. Um our next guest is El Kayabiab Gitlin. She is an independent business owner and co-host of the Lexington Drinking Liberally chapter, which is a nationwide organization, um, not just about drinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> she <laughs> she's active in the state Democratic Party and volunteered for the Obama campaign and other local races in Kentucky. So welcome, Elle. Thanks, Sonia. Great. And Elle was recommended to me by David Westcott, who um, many people may know. So anyone recommended by David I mean, that says a lot right there. Um, I'd like to start by asking all of you the same questions, beginning with Elle and then followed by Debbie and ending with Sarah. Um, Your kind of brief answers to how did you get involved in politics, how did you come to support your candidate, and how do you think the process should play out? So, Elle, your thoughts? Okay. I will tell you how I got started in politics. Um, I was naturalized. Uh, I became a naturalized American citizen when I was 18 years old. I emigrated here with my folks from the Philippines. And so at the time, it was a very big deal to me. It was to give up very literally my cultural heritage to become an American citizen and sort of sever those ties, which I did because I weighed them out in my head, and I was probably the only person in my civics class who was really paying attention. Um, but unfortunately, as as college happened and, and what and you know, post-college, I sort of fell off that and, and didn't, I wasn't as involved in politics as I should have been. Uh, fortunately, I did have some friends that were active in local politics, and even though I was a young Republican, I know, don't hold it against me. Uh, <laughs> and I, I basically, you know, they were Democrats, and they basically said, you know, I think that this is actually more, uh, you know, more closely aligned with, with the person that you are. And so I changed my affiliation in February of 2007, which is when Barack Obama announced that he was going to become a running for president. So once that happened, I really threw myself into politics in Kentucky. My husband and I moved there in 2004, and although it was very apathetic because I really didn't think we'd be staying around in Kentucky, it looks like things have changed and we're going to make our home in Kentucky for a while. And so we figured we could sit here and you know, complain that things aren't getting better or actually do something about it. And because we're, you know, of the do something about it kind, we are now involved in local politics. Uh, As far as how I came to support my candidate, um, and I'm definitely for Barack all the way, my specialty is in e-learning and training, which has a very, very HR-focused aspect to it. And so I get a chance to study a lot of leadership styles because I go into different companies and I try to absorb their culture as best as I can and I see how people lead their teams. I see how CEOs and boards and uh, directors of boards uh, lead organizations. And the thing that strikes me, and it was something that was echoed when I attended a 
fundraiser, which Betsy Myers, who is Obama's COO, and she's also the, I believe she runs Harvard's leadership uh, project, was the fact that Obama's leadership style is more, is more closely aligned to how women lead, which is women like to get a consensus. They want to make sure that everybody's involved in the process, that everyone has an equal voice, that people are free to defend uh, their opinions, or you know that they aren't afraid to have them questioned. And Hillary's leadership style is actually more masculine, and that a lot of it is very top-down. Um, that people, you know, people at the top make decisions, and you know everyone else kind of uh, implements them, which I thought was excellent. It's absolutely right, and I prefer organizations, or I prefer to work with organizations who do have a more uh, consensus-based approach to leadership. As far as how the process should play out, of course, we really didn't think Kentucky would matter, and then all of a sudden we were inundated with staffers. Um, I really, I, I love it though. I think the process should play out. I don't think that the Democratic Party should, uh, the Pelosi Super Club, as as I've heard it called in the blogosphere, should come out and basically go ahead and you know put a fork in Hillary Clinton, because one of the best things that we've seen is an uptake in membership as far as our local Democratic parties and the young Democrats and the high school Democrats and the college Democrats are concerned. I've been fortunate enough to, you know, watch folks come in, be energized by the race, see the fact that there are some down-ticket races as well that, you know, we could use some help on and, and see them get involved with, with folks who are writing for city council or U.S. Senate or even our state Senate races. So... I really, I hope that, you know, I would hope that South Dakota and Montana and Puerto Rico also do have their say. I think that those parties, uh, the local parties in those areas need the attention because they may never get it any other time. Right. All really excellent points. And, um, Al, don't feel bad about being a reformed <laughs> Republican. We have a, we have a um, I'm not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. And one of our mom, Momocrats contributors is also a reformed Republican, now Obama delegate. So anything Wonderful. is possible. Um, great. Thanks for sharing, Elle. How about um, Debbie? We, and we've been chatting for about half an hour, but we haven't really heard about your background. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> pardon me. I, uh, uh, just really quickly, I wanted to say, Elle, really excellent points, especially the last things you said, nicely said. Um, as regards to my own political experience, I started out uh, being raised by crazy fundies, um, <laughs> but it's not my fault. So, <laughs> so I, can, I can mock them, but that's because I come from them. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> the, 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 my first experience with politics really truly was, was passing out religious tracts at malls like at six and um, it sounds crazy to me to say that now uh, now that I have a child of my own I can't imagine having my son be a pusher but I was and uh, you know that, that was very politically motivated and I didn't know that at the time but looking back I can see how very motivated they were uh, to become a part of the the political um, landscape and all of that track passing out and all the other things that they did, it was very much motivated by sort of gaining traction, you know, the, the rapture idea, the Zionist movement. Um, and Sarah, are you still on the line? 
Yeah, I'm still on the line. Uh, we do. We I do don't. Passing out too. <laughs> you, I think you said before that you grew up in a similar household. Your father was a pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a very conservative pastor, although not like. Um, not scary conservative. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are Baptist, so I don't know if your experience yeah, is extremely well. similar, but you may know kind of what I'm talking about regarding the rapture. Um, Absolutely. Kind of, you know, everyone needs to sort of focus on the idea that Israel is going to go through all of these, you know, that whole thing. Um, so it was very political. It's a very political movement, and, uh, and I didn't know that, but I was raised to believe that Republicans were the right and the only ones. And um, I remember during the Ollie North uh, trials being glued to the television with my parents and just feeling so sympathetic for this man. And I'm aghast now as an adult to look back on those experiences. But at the time, I, that was my experience. I was, you know, um, those were my formative years. But uh, when I moved out of my parents' house and started thinking for myself, I, I sort of carefully came to the conclusion that I did not agree with any of those viewpoints and left the political environment for a long time, which I guess is kind of, you know, I had to kind of go through a period of being anti-politics altogether, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because, you know, all of our lives are very, we're, they're mired in the basis of our freedoms, you know. I mean, our Constitution provides for our way of life, and I couldn't appreciate that until I had stepped back far enough to sort of divorce myself from where my, where I'd come from and um, and then be able to start really seeing things from my own unique individual perspective. Um, so kind of having to get away from that, that brainwashing, essentially, that I'd gone through. And uh, I came back to politics when I was taking classes at Portland State University a few years, probably about seven, seven or eight years ago, um, and, and as a literature major, an English literature major. But I was listening to my professors apply literary criticisms of 18th century uh, romantics literature, you know, in the Enlightenment period, um, coupled with a history class that I took on the French Revolution. Um, you know, but these things were being applied to the current political climate. They were making comparisons, very apt ones, to what was happening on our, our current political stage. And it just sort of made me want to understand more about our own country's beginnings, especially you know, related to uh, Locke and Thomas Paine and um, the creation of our government on the basis of, you know, rationality on reason, on education, not, not as a result of having been spoken to from on high by a deity um, and granted kingship or rulership, you know. Um, I appreciated that we had come together and formed a democracy on the basis of thought and logic and process. And so then that kind of led me into reading blogs online and Talking Points Memo and Daily Coast, and, and I got started. In, and it, that led to um, sitting on the couch when I was pregnant and yelling um, at my television screen while watching C-SPAN, um, <laughs> like it was a playoff, because <laughs> it was you know, like a vote on the bankruptcy bill or something. So uh, <laughs> and, and I'm, a, I'm a wonk. <laughs> you are a wonk. And how um, and you support Obama? How how do you think the process should play out? Uh, that's a good question. I um, well, and I started out with with Edwards, obviously, with you guys at the beginning. Um, but then I chose Obama when I saw that he and Hillary. I watched the first debate after Edwards had left had dropped out, and uh, I just watched how Obama just very deftly handled the questions and was articulate and concise. And I, I really appreciated that he relies on logic and um, 
and seems to never really drop into sort of personal attack tactics. Um, and that's just uh, kind of my appreciation in general for politics. I really respect people who are, are thoughtful and concise. And so uh, in terms of what's happening right now and, and what's going to go on in the future, I'd like to see um, if Obama does clinch the nomination. I'd like to see um, him choose someone like Russ Feingold or Bill Richardson for his VP. Uh, hmm. Russ Feingold particularly, I think he would bring an amazing um, well-roundedness, especially in foreign policy. Uh, and I, I, Hillary, I think, especially given what happened yesterday. Which we'll talk about, hopefully, if we... Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see her concede. I'd like to see her concede. But yeah. especially given what else said, I, I really agree with that idea. I think it's important to let all 50 states have their say. I felt, you know, I, it was the first time in my life that I got to vote in the primary season and have it be something that was, you know, a, a voice, and and I, I appreciated that, and I'd love to see the rest of the states have that same experience. Well, that is the perfect um, uh, uh, way to transition into let's talking about states having their say, and let's um, and and at first I'd like to say, you know, this is a roundtable, so feel free to jump in and ask each other questions as well. Um, if you you know if you have them you don't have to wait for me or you know we this is we're all together sitting around a table imagine um, so let's first talk about Kentucky at, with L um, you're there you are you are in the in the thick of it literally um, what is it like being an Obama supporter in a state that Hillary Clinton won by a landslide and can you talk a little bit about what challenges you face um, you know trying to trying to get get the vote out and all of that. Well, I can tell you right now, if you've ever, if you went to that and you looked at the results map on a county-by-county county basis after all the votes were counted, I live in Fayette County, which is, of course, where Lexington is, and my county and Jefferson County, which is where Louisville is, were the only counties that Obama won. Mm -hmm. So, feel my pain, everyone. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it was really, oh, you know really I, hard. Can I, um, I'm sorry, I... I jumped ahead without. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. I jumped ahead. Oh, without no, we Sarah. forgot Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm. Can I, Al? Can we table that? Sure. For Go ahead. A second. Go ahead. Sarah, I apologize profusely. Oh my gosh. Can you, um, can you jump in and share your thoughts about how you got involved in politics and and how you came to support your candidate and how you think the process should play out? I apologize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sarah, are you there? Is Sarah not there? I think we might have okay, lost well, her. Okay. Oh, no. Well. Um, oh, sorry. I just hit hit, hit the wrong button from unmute. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, Sarah. <laughs> no worries. Um, it's a little screamy around here. So um, I never before thought of tax passing out as a as a political activity. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, but, but that really wasn't, you know, the reason I got into politics. I think that uh, it's it's sort of like you have to be really passionate about politics if you grow up in a Portland inner city high school. <laughs> I think it's like part of the requirement to uh, to admit you into the senior class or something. My, uh, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> my, it is. My, and uh, I, oh, I, I was just going to say my, this is – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I remember my government teacher, you know, this is basically like proselytizing from the from 
the the teacher's um, pulpit or whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, he taught us about feminism. He taught us about birth control. He taught, you know, like the whole history of everything. And he was like the the biggest liberal in the entire world. And how could you not be a liberal coming out of that? And how could you not be involved in politics? <laughs> <But go ahead. laughs> so did you were you a convert then, Sarah? Is that what you're saying? I, yeah, I was I was a convert to to the liberal you know the, the liberal agenda before I graduated from high school. Um, but I how did your parents to, take that? Well, you know, they 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 took it pretty well. They're they're very open minded um, Baptists. <laughs> Surprising. They, um, they disagree with me generally on everything that I vote for, but um, but they but they don't try to convert me. <laughs> and um, I just want to jump in. This is Stefania. I just want to jump in and say that if you've never lived in Portland and you think you live in a progressive liberal um, city, you don't know nothing. <laughs> because when we <laughs> When we moved from San Francisco to Portland, um, it was right before um, it was right before the 2004 election. And in San Francisco, you, I mean, to see a sign or a bumper sticker on a car, I mean, it was kind of a rare thing. When we moved to Portland, it wasn't just that you had the sign in your yard. You had the bumper sticker on your car. You had a sign in your window. You had the T-shirt and the hat. <laughs> I mean, it was just like a sea of, of Carrie Edwards everywhere you looked. And I, my mouth was on the floor. And, uh, and it, it really is, I mean, it really is the most progressive place I've ever, I've ever experienced. So I just wanted to add that yeah. to Portland. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually looking at someone with an Obama shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so Sarah, Sarah, how did you come to support your candidate? So, um, you know, I've always been a fan of Hillary's, even um, in her much maligned uh, time in the White House when she was, uh, you know, doing the health care bill. I thought it was – she had great ideas back then about how health care should be. And, of course, you know, she's always been really awful at communicating her message, and I think we've seen that a lot in the last couple of days. <laughs> but I nonetheless, you know, I think it's, it's it's all about her policies and, you know, the fact that she's a woman. I really have always, you know, dreamed of having a woman president um, ever since I was a little girl. I've always been, a, I, I guess I was born a feminist. I don't know how that worked. But maybe having four sisters helped. <laughs> but, um, but and you know, and her policies are, you know, pretty much down the line with the exception of the gas tax thing. Um, I've, I've supported her all the way. So, okay. And so she, so that's why I like her, and I think, and I think that um, as far as how the process should play out, I absolutely um, love the the fact, just like the other women talked about, that you know I've been able to actually, you know, have my vote make a difference. You know, we've been Oregon can be so apathetic when it comes to um, the primary, just because you know by the time we get there, our vote is not, you know, not making any difference in the way the election is going to turn out and and this year it was so exciting having you know Chelsea and Obama and Bill and um and Hillary you know just flooding our state and coming day after day it was like yeah. so exciting and I mean you guys know what happened with the the whole um big thing in the waterfront and I mean to have that happen in Portland and not you know in Iowa or New Hampshire or you know all the other places where people usually care about what happens in politics it was just so gratifying <laughs> It was very inspiring. Um, we have only about 12 minutes remaining. I can't believe it. But um, 
So I'm just going to move the conversation along to the um, the whole reason why we're here talking together, and um, that's to pick up again where Elle left off about um, Kentucky. Maybe, um, Elle, you could speak just a few minutes more about, um, again, what you were saying with uh, how hard you had to work to get your county, those counties at least, to, to go Obama, and then, um, and then we'll move on to Oregon. So, um, Elle, could you also talk about maybe the touch on the race issue and um, and why you think Obama didn't spend much time in Kentucky? Well, I can tell you right now that one of the things that was wonderful for me was being able to talk to some really fantastic Hillary supporters who had great responses, you know, um, saying what Sarah was saying about how her policies are in line with mine with the exception of a few things that they wanted, you know, they, they really agreed with her stances on the issues. I talked to some really fantastic people like that. And then I talked to some people, both who are Obama supporters and who were Hillary supporters, who had very flimsy excuses. I went and I took a leave of absence from my job um, to basically work full-time on Obama's campaign, as well as some of the down-ticket races as well. So they sent me out to knock on a lot of doors. And I, I went by myself because I was a local, and they figured I wouldn't get lost. And I'm not, and there's, I am, I'm a minority. I'm a, I was, I'm Filipino. So there are a lot of people that I talk to, even in Lexington, which is one of the more urban or cosmopolitan areas of Kentucky, where people wouldn't open their doors for me. They would look at me through a screen door or through a glass door or through the, you know, with the chain on your door. They wouldn't, they wouldn't talk to me like that. And it was interesting because I would at times be paired up with somebody who'd come in from out of town. We had some folks who drove down from Michigan, uh, from Indianapolis, who drove up from uh, Atlanta. And what, they, what I would do would be we would split up the neighborhood. And they, when I would, we would compare our experiences. Uh, some of the other folks that I would go out with who would be white never had that experience that I did. And so it, it's, it's a very sobering thing to know that this is something that still exists in today's society, but I don't let it get me down because it's one of those things where I can't, one of the best things that I learned being a young Republican and also growing up in a fairly conservative uh, religion was something my pastor actually told me when I was growing up, which is you cannot reason someone out of a decision they didn't reason themselves into. So I wasn't, I wasn't in it to convert people. In a sense, I was just there that if you're open to learning more, I can give you more information. If you don't know where you're going to vote, I can help you with that. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to try to sway your vote over towards Obama. You know, if you're going to vote for Clinton or if you're going to vote for McCain or for the few Ron Paul people who I managed to knock on their doors, you know, so that's fine. That's, you know, as long as you go out and vote. That's really what's, what was most important. And sure, it was a little disheartening to see the returns come in and realize that, you know, he only won two counties in, in one congressional district. He actually didn't even break the 15% um, uh, barrier for eligibility. So, oh. but that's, but that's, I'm sorry? Oh, I was wondering if I might put a question to you from sure. uh, one of our other co-founders, Glenna. Uh, she is wondering if you think the media overstated the race issue prior to the election? I don't think so. I, I really don't think it's necessarily an overstatement. Um, there, there are just certain areas in the South, not just in Kentucky, but that, that don't have that same exposure that maybe a Portland does where, you know, all nationalities and creeds and religions are, are, are welcomed, and human beings 
don't really like change. They don't like something new to come in when it's been this way all their life. It's hard for some people to accept that things can be different, and that's mm. fine. You know, so we did the best that we could, and we were just really happy to see the turnouts. Um, I believe in my county, uh, the last primary election had 18% turnout, and this time we had 40% turnout or 42% wow. turnout. So really okay. fantastic, you know, great numbers from us. That is great. Okay, so um, uh, so we've been now been spending some time talking about these uh, attitudes and um, and the so-called blue-collar whites and their vote, how they don't support Obama. But Oregon seemed to buck that trend. Um, so uh, Sarah and Debbie, do you want to kind of chime in on on uh, you know do you think that his lack of support among that demographic is is a regional thing? Elle, you can add your thoughts as well. Um, and just a just a quick. Um, kind of funny story my brother lives in southern Oregon he was driving down here this weekend and he passed a trucker you know like a big old 18 wheeler with a bumper sticker slapped on the back that said um bitter gunslinger for Obama so um, (laughs) (laughs) you know is Oregon just its own particular um (laughs) <laughs> Oregon is its own universe, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I absolutely don't think that um, that the support of Obama in Oregon was at all racially motivated, and you know, or you know, I, th- I think that it's true that a lot of women that you know are are very you know big feminists, uh, you know, also did not support Clinton. I think that. Oregon basically, you know, works really hard at being opposite anyone's expectations. <laughs> of them. I've always been that way myself. <laughs> so um, I think I think basically what you have in, have in Oregon is just you know a, a, just a, a, a state who really wants to to elect a Democrat and um, mm-hmm. and. You know, and they're also easily swayed by a guy with a pretty face and good charisma. <laughs> hey, Sarah, what did you think about the Novik versus Merkley um, race? You know, I wasn't really even in, that involved in that race. I was a lot more involved in um, the city races. So, right, so that like Sam Adams like, versus Show Dizona? Yeah, Sam Adams versus Show, and then all the the city council members. You know, we, the Urban Mamas met with all the candidate or most of the main candidates for city council and for mayor. And nice. so, you know, like I can tell you, like all their issues. <laughs> but I just like the whole Novik thing just like totally passed over my head. Something that was really interesting though that um, that uh, we've been talking about the last couple of days in Portland is that the all the the other races, um, you know, the state races and the city races got, you know, al- almost no in participation compared to the the presidential nomination. A lot of people were just, you know, voting for president and then turning their ballot in, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, can uh, you guys you know, talk? It, a, oh, I was going to say, can you guys talk a little bit about Sam Adams for those that um, don't know um, about that that race, that candidate? Yeah, sure. Well, Sam Adams is gay, <laughs> which I guess is, is um, you know, uh, an important thing, an important uh, thing. But in Portland, we don't didn't really think that much about that. We were more concerned with um, his politics and whether or not he was spending too much money on special interests or he was supporting the bike culture, which is really important to a lot of Portlanders mm-hmm. like me. Um, yeah. One of his really big issues was that he wanted to – um, move this bridge that goes to Sovies Island um, over to another part of the city 
and have it be a bike pedestrian bridge. And, of course, you know, like, I think that's a fantastic idea, and there's a lot of people who are like, you know, don't invest in bike infrastructure. Um, So that was really his main issue. And Sho DeZono is, um, he's uh, Korean, isn't he? No, he's Japanese. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think Joe is um, Japanese. Yeah. So Japanese, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and so you know it was like a minority versus minority race in some ways, but and uh, you know really it was just like Sam Adams, the bike guy, versus Shodazeno, who's supported by a lot of business, you know, local business interests, and so that that was really the race. And it was interesting that the rest of the country kind of put it in this like the you know the gay guy versus the Japanese guy, and we we're all like. <laughs> Bikers versus big business. <laughs> that is so yeah, important. exactly. It, he was the. Um, I think Show was the sort of the um, candidate of, you know, what what we have already had, and I think Sam represents the sort of this change candidate, which is kind of what I was getting at with the Novik v Merkley race. Yeah. Um, I didn't spend enough time researching those candidates either. I spent a little time, and I really appreciated that Novik was the change candidate. Um, I've got to be honest, I was disappointed that he lost because I think uh, a lot of people, I think the reason there was such a resistant majority for him in the in the win for Merkley is because people really didn't know if Nova could take on Gordon Smith in the fall. And everybody wants to see that albatross gone. I mean, I really believe, you know, we want to see two Democratic senators representing us yeah. because that's much more representative of our climate, as Stefania has already <laughs> <laughs> explain we are <laughs> we are blue 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 um and i think you know gordon smith has always kind of been the representative of the the more rural the more outlying areas of the state um but i think that's changing because people are tired of you know what's going on so he he is novick is the reform candidate and i think that merkley is kind of a bit of a softy in in comparison to gordon smith i don't i don't think he's strikingly different enough. So I'm concerned about that race, to be honest with you. How do you feel well, about we've that, about, I, I just want to jump in real quick and say we have two minutes remaining, but that doesn't okay. mean we need to stop talking. Now we have about one minute remaining. does not mean we need to stop talking. It means that the um, the hour that we've designated to record will end, but anyone listening in on the archives later will be able to hear the conversation for as long as it wants to run. And we do have some other things that we want to talk about. So um, with one minute to go, we can uh, we can either wrap wrap it up, leave it here, or just keep going, depending on what your um, time frame is. Because Sarah, you wanted to mention some issues that I think have been weighing on Hillary supporters' minds, um, and I would love for you to get a chance to to share those your thoughts on that. A really excellent point. Um, are, are we talking about the whole assassination thing? <laughs> No, 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 not yet. <laughs> but you were, you had. <laughs> oh, I, I had, gave you lots of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were saying, you know, you were wondering how did she screw up the campaign? And I know, think we should keep going, <laughs> Stefania. Yeah, let's I think we keep, should going. keep going. Yeah, I will have to bow out, folks, because I'm actually not in Lexington, Kentucky. I am in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> I'm on the road, so but I will have to I will have to let you guys go. But it was a wonderful conversation, and I really look forward to listening to the archives when I manage to find Wi-Fi. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> thanks Al, for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bye, um, <laughs> Okay, so she's yeah, gone. Um, yeah, Sarah, you were saying you know she was the presumptive nominee six months ago. So what happened? 
Yeah, and it's really interesting. I, I went to this a small liberal arts school in um in the South called Washington and Lee University and they have this huge mock convention um that happens, you know, in like February of presidential election years. And they have this really great reputation for being right, um, you know, because they they have teams of students from, you know, that, that represent every state and call the political leaders in every state and figure out, you know, who is going to be the uh, nominee for the out-of-office party. And, of course, they picked Hillary. And so I was like, yay, Hillary's going to win because <laughs> she got picked by WL. You know, and then, you know, basically she just went and screwed things up. And I was listening to something uh, on NPR <laughs> yesterday that about how, you know, what she did was, you know, from the beginning is she just kind of assumed that she was going to win and didn't really fight hard enough at the beginning um, to kind of establish her, you know, her wide appeal. And then, you know, there are all these, like, little digs and personal attacks, which, um, you know, just kind of are ugly and didn't work for her at all and definitely got um, underscored in the media. Um, so, and, and there was also there was also somebody saying that, you know, she was really playing her experience when um, that didn't end up working as a strategy. And I don't know what you guys think about that, but, you know, like, is that something that you think is not a good strategy or did you guys, were you guys, is that a concern for Obama supporters that he doesn't have very much experience? Well, um, two things. I just wanted to point out that Sarah wrote about her thoughts about supporting Hillary on mamacraft.typepad.com. Um, and she was basically sort of coming out of the closet <laughs> um, in support of Hillary. So I wanted to direct um, everyone to that piece, which, um, I mean, these are the kind of guest posts that we have that are just so thoughtful and um, and um, inspire great conversation. Um, for me, in terms of the experience issue, I, you know, I always go back to that, you know, the, that Obama has more legislative experience than, um, than Clinton. I mean, he, you know, if you look at his time, versus her time in the Senate versus his time in both, you know, state legislature and Senate, he actually has more experience. So, and I'm not so sure that I, I mean, yes, I count her um, health care experience definitely from the last go round, but I'm not so sure that I would lump in her time in the White House with it. I mean, I that's just my own personal feeling. Debbie, what about you? Uh, you know, I think that it's so easy to look at it from so many different angles, and it's it's sort of fractalized for me because I am a bit of a media junkie and a um, um, a policy junkie, and I do tend to read probably more than I need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I almost get a little distracted by a lot of the different sort of conflicting theories. But my gut says that. Um, what kind of stands out for me in all of the things I've read and heard and thought about, um, it's distilled for me to the idea that she chose some people to uh, manage the campaign initially that I think were poor choices. I think Mark Penn um, at all um, could have been, and I don't know if you agree with me about that, Sarah, or not. I, I, I personally feel that Hillary could have run a very good campaign. and. I'm disappointed, to be honest with you. I was looking forward to her running. I was expecting her to run a really solid campaign. And to see it have kind of wildly gyrated from one 
extreme to the other, you know, has been upsetting. I, I, I like you, I, you know, I was a, a little kid when Geraldine Ferraro was um, vice president with Mondale, and I was, even though I was raised in a family that was like, you know, women are second rate, and I sh should have been okay with that. I was really excited that Geraldine Ferraro was going to be the VP, um, hopefully. And and again, you know, I I was thrilled that Hillary was running when this came about. Um, so it's been a disappointment to see that she chose people that just really sort of ran it into the ground for her, in my estimation, more than anything else. I think if, yeah, uh, you know, out of everything that happened. Yeah, you know, I, I, I am not as much of a wonk, so I didn't, you know, I don't know, like, the <laughs> much about the different people, but I definitely thought that the campaign just w was going in a weird direction <laughs> from the beginning. You know, I, I wanted to be really, really excited about everything you said and everything that came out of it, and uh, there have been a lot of things that I've been like, come on, <laughs> like, why are you talking about this? And, I, you know, I think that we can't ignore the whole, um, you know, Bill Clinton issue. Like, does he really hurt her <laughs> instead of help her? And I think that in some places, like, obviously in the South, you know, he really does help. But um, I think in some places he really does hurt. And some of the things that he said have really kind of, like, you know, thrown her off course a bit. So I think I think the problem is there are too many cooks in the kitchen there. You know, there's um, too many strong personalities there, <laughs> you know, this is not a real clear direction um, that, yeah. you know, or, you know, like a unifying theme that's kind of run through, like there has been through a Barack's um, campaign. Yeah, I think, and for me, um, that just speaks to me about what kind of presidency she would have um, if she were elected. And, uh, and I do think it's who you surround yourself with and how you surround yourself, the types of people you choose to surround yourself with, with that for me, makes a bit of a difference, and, you know, there are people that criticize Obama for not being experienced enough, but, again, I mean, I really feel like he would, um, you know, choose wisely the people that he accepts counsel from, people in his administration. I mean, I think it would be, I mean, I think just if you're looking at the way the campaigns have been running, for me, um, you know, I, I really make a distinction. I really think it reflects upon how their presidency would be. So, yeah, well, that's funny that. because 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 I've decided that I could never have John McCain in the White House because if Cindy was the first lady, that would be really really bad. <laughs> oh my God! Well, I don't think you need to worry, Sarah. He's not going to get there, and that's not just right. my crazy pills talking either. Um. <laughs> He's not going to make no. it. I mean, his his campaign is already hemorrhaging on so many levels. And I'm not saying this from the like, oh, I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping really hard. I mean, I'm reading where, you know, all over the web where people who are kind of considered fairly conservative pundits are saying things that are not complimentary to him at this point. And given how he's had the media in his pocket, you know, all these years, it's it's pretty significant. I think, and I think we're going to continue to see more of that, more cracks, more fish, more fissures in the dam that is McCain, Dam McCain. Yeah, and I think just in terms of the Momocrats, I mean, look out, McCain, because as soon as we have the Democratic nominee, you're going down, and we are going to contribute <laughs> as hard as we can. Um, I mean, we've really kind of been champing at the bit to to you know really hone our collective efforts on him and train 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 our attention on him and. Um, and so I think that's why, you know, 
we um, sometimes feel so frustrated by the way the process has been playing out. We really need to turn our attention towards towards him. Um, and yeah, yes. I think he's going to be trounced in in the fall. But um, that's just. I think own. he's going to dig his own grave, Stefania. What you said earlier yeah. about Ellen, the Ellen appearance, that was just right. <laughs> disaster. Yeah. We think we think more Ellen appearances should be in the party <laughs> Senator McCain. Once a week, she I should have a regular weekly. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so maybe we at this point we should just transition into the last um, topic of the day um, and then wrap it up. Um, we can't end without talking about Hillary's comments of yesterday. Um, for those that don't know, um, yesterday in speaking to the editorial board of the Sioux Falls South Dakota um, Argus leader, she said, quote, my husband did not wrap up the nomination in 1992 until he won the California primary somewhere in the middle of June, right? We all remember Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June in California. I don't understand it. Um, so it, you know, I took it as, and I think many people did take it as, you know, a reason for her to stay in the campaign was the possibility that Obama might be assassinated. Um, his campaign said Senator Clinton's statement before the Argus leader was unfortunate and has no place in this campaign. Um, and uh, she then apologized. Well, it really blew up in the blogosphere. Um, I clicked on CNN. They were talking about her speaking to the editorial board and didn't even mention this statement um, until about 20 minutes later when then they came back on CNN with a special kind of a special coverage of it. Um, she apologized shortly after by saying that she, uh, she said, I regret that if my referencing that moment of trauma for our entire nation and in particular the Kennedy family was in any way offensive, I certainly had no intention of that whatsoever. That's part of what she said. So thoughts, um, thoughts on what she said, thoughts on her apology. Um, any, any, anything you care to add? Chatters, feel free to comment as well, even though I can't see you. <laughs> Sarah? Is Sarah still there? Sarah, are you here? Unmute. She, we may have lost her for good. Um, well, I certainly have my own kind of grossed out uh, visceral reaction to that. I That hit me hard in the gut. I, I'm really... I, it's easy for me to say I kind of want to give her a pass because I'm so horrified by this that I almost don't know how to grapple with it as it, you know, as her having explicitly intended to suggest well, think, that, you know, that was happening. What do you think? I think, you know, it would be easy to give her a pass or easier <laughs> to give her a pass if it was the first time she had said something like that, if she had, quote, unquote, misspoke like that, yeah. but um, it's not the first time. And um, I think if you kind of Google around the blogosphere, you'll you'll um, people can see that it's it's like the third time that she's made mm -hmm. reference to June and Bobby Kennedy and being assassinated, and um, and and in reference to um, or as reasons why she should be able to continue through the, um, through this cycle. And um, and she could have mentioned many other years <laughs> uh, where, you know, but she keeps coming back to 1968 and Bobby Kennedy. And I just think that that is very calculated 
Um, And it's disgusting, especially because in her apology, she didn't apologize to Obama. She made no reference of him. She made no, you know, reference, I mean, his little girls. I mean, (laughs) I think that, you know, she should apologize to his whole family. Um, But she didn't. And she also, you know, I think it's, um, Olverman pointed out last night in his special comment, um, you know, she didn't apologize or, you know, say, please forgive me for saying such a horrible thing. Um, so I'm done giving her a pass. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was ironic that when they showed the footage of her apologizing to the Kennedy family that she was standing in stark relief against a row, row after row of alcohol-filled bottles. <laughs> did you notice that that she was in a grocery I didn't store? I knew, I knew, I knew that she was in a store. I had no idea that she had alcohol. Oh my god! It just oh. it struck me as kind of funny. Um, but I yeah, I I spoke about this with my husband, who is a a political science major in college, and so he still sort of gets irate about stuff, and he really doesn't feel. Uh, and and you know. Neither do I, truthfully, feel that it was a mistake that she misspoke. I do think that it was calculated. It's just so hard to grapple with the idea that someone would go that low because he does have a family and because I think it's such an easy place to go to. I mean, look what happened to Martin Luther King Jr. who who spoke out uh, against the status quo and um, to other people who have, have done similar things. But particularly, it's a sensitive issue because he is part African-American. And... Um, and because it's so obvious, I mean, we had such a history of lynchings and whatnot, and uh, it just—it's—it's just—it follows too much, too closely to the same vein of you know this working class white voters. It, it just seems to sort of quietly dovetail too closely to all of that to me. I mean, is that how you feel about it too? Yeah, I mean, I, I think because she's kind of. It was the, uh, you know, for lack of, you know, white people like me better, blue collar white people like me better, and then the constant referencing of this event. I mean, it's just, you know, is, you know, I mean, it's horrible to say, but is she trying to have somebody connect those dots? I mean, and, and um, you know, and if she is, I mean, how gross is that? I mean, it's just disgusting. It's yeah. It's disgusting, you know, so... You know, I personally feel like it's time for her to to just step away, <laughs> and there's no yeah. you know graceful way to do it at this point after committing such a gaffe. But um, you know, that's just my bias showing through. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. You know, when I think about how many people I've I've read just in the last day um, regarding their initial reaction to that, that I think it's it was intended because too many people reacted immediately and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You know, and then they also referenced immediately these other times where she has said, I think in January she said it, and um, I don't remember the other time, but I know you commented that, that like she had March said it three times in April. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not it's not a mistake at this point. It's not a mistake. Uh, and I think when as many people yesterday immediately stepped back and said, this is you know this is outrageous. Uh, I think that it was intended. Otherwise, not that many people. It would have been you know isolated incidences across the board, people would have been like, I'm sort of getting out of this, that she's trying to connect the dots, and I think most people would have said, no, 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 you know, but really, it, it was intended, it had to have been. Yeah. I have to say that, I have to, I have to say, that's what I think, she, she, she yeah. meant it. She meant and it. I, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's just, I mean, I think so many, for so many people, myself included, we feel such um, kind of soaring, um, 
inspiration when we when we think about what an Obama presidency would be like. And I mean, when I saw those Oregon rally pictures, um, you know, I it you know moved me absolutely to tears. Never before, you know, never before um, have I ever experienced anything like that. And I think so many people feel that way. And for her to say something so you know disgusting is like it's the most lowball way to tamp down that um that good feeling and and um yeah goodwill in people i mean it's you know to kind of try to crush their hopes and dreams is you know by mm-hmm. referencing something like that I, to me it's just yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's got to be the worst part doesn't it it really is that she has not only um I think unnecessarily scared Barack Obama's family, um, mm-hmm. but then also along with that, taken so many people who have have seen this as a force, as a as a wave of hope, mm-hmm. as a wave of encouragement for a future that looks pretty bleak right now because of what we've had to deal with with the current administration and all of the things that they have, all of the, the treasonous acts they've committed. I mean, they have. Right. They should be held for war crimes, et cetera. And I think, you know, everyone's feeling pretty dismal. I mean, gas is ridiculously expensive. Not everyone lives close enough to work to take a bike, even though it would be incredible if everyone could start biking. It's it's just not feasible for everyone who, you know, maybe lives an hour and a half from work by car. Um, yeah. And I think that's, these are all the things we're grappling with. We, we have this out-of-control um Iraq war, we potentially are going to be seeing them try to fight with Iran now, mm-hmm. and we have so little control, and it's so scary, and we want so badly to connect to someone who tells us that we are going to have a hand in changing our own future, and and to to discourage that motivation, to discourage that kind of movement is, it's just beyond cruel. It is. Yes, we can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, well, with that, I think it's a good uh, time to kind of wrap up the show. Um, and we're going on an hour and 17 minutes now, um, which, gosh, we could absolutely do a two-hour Mama Crap show, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> all day. I wanted to, <laughs> all day. Kind of like we do on the back channel. But um, I wanted to thank you, um, Debbie, um, for being there from the beginning and for being here today. Um, I wanted to thank also Sarah Gilbert and Al Kayab Yabgitlin for making time in their busy weekends to talk with us. Um, for more Mama Craft uh, goodness, where we keep discussions like this alive in blog form, please visit mamacrafts.typepad.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you, Stefania. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>